The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Here to set you free. How you doing? Happy Friday. Couldn't remember what day it was. Uh, It is Friday. It's been a long week. Um, You know, but, you know, uh, talking about, you know, the Middle East over and over and over talking about, you know, you know, was there going to be a speaker? Then we have a speaker. What about this speaker now? Well, let's take a break from that and let's have something positive uh, to talk about on this Friday. Because believe it or not, there are glimmers of hope and there are some positive things going on in our lives. And I know that many of you don't feel that way, but we, especially as Americans, uh, compared to most of the world, are truly, truly blessed. And uh, we're going to talk about that. I'm blessed and you all are blessed to have back with us Scott Paul. He's president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, the AAM. They're a partnership established by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers Union. And for God, almost two decades, Scott and the AAM have worked to make American manufacturing a top of mind issue for voters and our national leaders. They've done it and they've done it successfully through effective advocacy, innovative research, a savvy PR strategy. Please check out their website. Holidays are coming up. They have great uh, American made gift guides, gift giving guides. I use it um, a lot. I find it very helpful. I know you will as well. We'll provide links on our social media. But, you know, during the breaks here, you can check out the website, AmericanManufacturing.org. And please, on Twitter, now X, follow AAM at Keep It Made in USA and follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM. Well, what is the good news you say, Scott? Welcome. President Biden has helped guide what is now the most equitable economic recovery in American history. And this is not a Democratic uh, talking point. Uh, for those of you that know, I am a Democrat. Um, Scott, welcome. Um, you know, the, you, you yeah. can you can you can fight uh, opinions. You certainly can fight fiction, but you can't fight facts based on figures. Uh, and the U.S. Department, the Treasury Department, released a report on the historically equitable economic recovery uh, from the pandemic. And this new report shows that President Biden's American Rescue Plan effectively delivered resources and aid to historically underserved communities, enabling economic recovery far more quickly than a previous turndowns. Um, you know, can, can you speak to that a little bit? Yep. Because obviously... You need recovery for the lights to be back on and the machines to be going at the manufacturing factories and plants throughout America. Absolutely, you do. And it's great to be with you, Leslie. I can't wait to talk gift guide with you when that's ready. Um, so that, that'll that be a fun conversation. Uh, but I do think it's important for folks to understand, you know, particularly the dire straits we were in economically and how we emerged from that. And it's important for a couple of reasons. In the past, when we've had recessions, two things have happened. Usually, in the aftermath of that recession, uh, inequality has widened, like the, the rich you know, bounce back faster and, and, and better, and the middle class gets a little hollowed out, and the, the poor 
fall behind. Um, and that's true along, you know, racial demographic lines as well. Uh, and the other thing that usually happens um, is that manufacturing gets permanently smaller from a, from a jobs perspective. Well, in the latest uh, iteration of this, which was obviously during the pandemic, um, all of that was flipped on its head. And I think that is really, truly stunning. And, you know, now we have a wealth gap between whites, blacks, Latinos that is uh, still there, but it's shrinking yeah. uh, pretty dramatically. We have unemployment rates uh, that are um, almost at historic lows, depending on the month, for not only whites, but also black and, and uh, Hispanic workers, uh, which I think is important. Um, and we saw manufacturing bounce back and in fact has added jobs, added more jobs uh, than, than we lost during the, the last recession. So all of this is you know, wiping away 30 or 40 years of, of, of economic history, and it wasn't an accident. I think that's the important thing, is that there was a effort through vehicles like the child care tax credit, through some of the PPP programs or income support uh, that really did people give people an income boost, uh, a lift, particularly those who needed it the most. Um, and uh, built on top of that, you know, there's a solid foundation for, I think, what will be kind of a new economy here, where we're doing more clean energy stuff and we're doing more manufacturing, we're doing some more semiconductor making, along with a lot of the stuff we've been really good at for the last couple of decades, and that's going to grow the middle class. Uh, and and I know that you know inflation is still a concern for people. That's coming down as well, and the data indicates that. Wages are rising faster than inflation, so real wages are going up. Um, but there's, uh, you know, e even as folks, you know, may not feel it, all the time, um, you know, there's there's something there that, that we haven't seen for a long time uh, in this economy. And the data, as, as you indicated, Leslie, really does spell that out this time. It's interesting. You must have read my mind because when the you, you find the research and there's new research, um, there's new data that the Federal Reserve Board uh, released in addition and, and to, to two points that you made. Um, you know, one, well, three, actually, but one, this isn't just about the strength of the response, but the speed of the response by this administration, helping to thwart the worst uh, economic outcomes that not only were anticipated, were predicted, and it's like, hello, recession, what recession, right? Um, and um, certainly, uh, there was a huge doom and gloom uh, forecasted uh, for Black communities, for Hispanic communities. Um, across a broad array of economic indicators. But like you said, it, when you look at the financial indicators, the well-being of Black and Hispanic families have remained strong relative to recoveries in recent history. Um, I want to share with the Deputy Secre uh, Treasury Secretary said, quote, this report shows that as the Biden administration policies have driven a historic economic recovery, we've also been building the economy we need for the long term, one that allows all communities to reach their economic potential. The report shows the progress we're making on building a more equitable economy, narrowing the racial wealth gap, you mentioned, and addressing enduring inequities in wealth accumulation. As we continue to implement the invest Investing in America agenda, 
We remain committed to capitalizing on the progress made during the recovery and investing in the people, places, and infrastructure that have uh, been too often left behind. Two things. You mentioned people don't feel it yet. And that's so interesting because I, you know, I know that Americans are fickle. We're forgetful. What'd you have for lunch last Tuesday? Unless you had something like spectacular because you went to some, spe- oh, I went to this event and I had, they had the wonderful salmon or whatever, right? Um, you know, or three Tuesdays ago, what'd you have for lunch, right? Um, and, and they forget. And I think people who, who and I'm not, I'm not belittling anybody who is having an issue now financially, but I do think, I'm going to tell a personal story. My husband's going to kill me, okay? <laughs> years, years ago, um, it was the first time we went to, um, uh, no, it's the first time he and I went to Italy. I'd been to Italy uh, before my best friend got married there. I was her maid of honor. And he, he and I went to Rome and to Florence, and we did five days in each. And um, we had a big fight on the Arno. Our hotel was the Westin, right at the Arno. There's a little bridge that's like further down from the Ponte Vecchio. And we're standing on the bridge, and we had an argument. For about 10 minutes. And if you ask my husband, how did you like Florence? He'll be like, oh, it was awful. My wife and I fought all the time, the whole time we were in Italy. And I'm like, no, we fought for 10 minutes. So I always call it like when my husband goes, oh, like our son's misbehaving. He's always being bad. I'm like, 10 minutes on the Arno. That's what I say, 10 minutes on the Arno. So we 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 tend to, we do yeah. as human beings, remember highs, remember lows, right? Well, People are forgetting that in 2020, we had a lot more than 10 minutes on the nope. R now. And things were much worse than they are now for most people. And I'm not belittling anyone, you know, or, or questioning anyone who's struggling now. But I do think there are many people that forget how badly they were struggling then. You know what I mean? And I say that because it amazes me that it hasn't caught up when, when you look at Pulp, Right. Well, I know we we have 60 seconds or less left to break. So ra- I'm going to ask a question. When we come back. I want you to answer it. Um, when we talk about implementing the Investing in America agenda, this, I would imagine, you know, you don't need to put on rose-colored glasses to see a rosy and brighter future for manufacturing going forward with this information, with this economic progress, with the speed and the strength of this, and not having... Uh, the uh, predicted and wrongly predicted recession, right? So when we come back, we'll talk about investing in America, that agenda from the Biden administration and its uh, impact on manufacturing going forward with this information. We'll be back with Scott Paul, president of the AAM. Check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. Follow him on Twitter at Scott Paul AAM and follow them AAM at Keep It Made in USA. Oh, on X. We'll be right back. We are back on President Marshall and our guest, Scott Paul, President of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Check out the website, AmericanManufacturing.org. And on Twitter, now known as X, follow Scott at Scott Paul, AAM, and follow America, follow the AAM at Keep It Made in USA. Um, I had asked Scott before the break about the Investing in America agenda. Um, does it, I mean, I know the whole, you know, agenda and the legislation you know, it's definitely, wow, thumbs up, great, green light, happiness going forward for manufacturing. But does this report, you know, fuel more hope um, that there will be an even more promising and positive outlook in the future with regard to manufacturing? Um, because, you know, I would imagine we're going to see more economic reports like this 
uh, going forward. Yeah, not not and Leslie, not only manufacturing, but but a lot of other industries as well, which is the great news. And I think this is again taking a big step back is always hard to do. But if you think about the first steps that were taken with like the child care tax credit, the PPP, all the emergency funding, that was basically getting our head above water. Uh, and then the investing in America is getting us to where we need to go. And um, and and that was the CHIPS Act for semiconductors and microelectronics uh, in the high tech sector. It was the infrastructure law, the bipartisan infrastructure law, $1.2 trillion to rebuild our country, everything from broadband to water systems to ports to, to roads and bridges. Uh, and then also the Inflation Reduction Act and the clean energy manufacturing incentives there in particular. And um, and that is through all of that public investment, which is a which was a huge surge of investment that we haven't seen for a long time. Um, we're and, and we got to make the most of it because we probably won't see something like that for for a while. Right. And, and so we are. We're seeing dividends out of that, and you're seeing a boom in manufacturing construction. If you open the papers to the business section, you'll see a new factory announcement like every day of the week. Leslie, like just today, Siemens, you know, this giant German mm -hmm. company building a new factory in Fort Worth, Texas, and it's going to employ hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people making uh, well-paying jobs. And so it's like, you know, um, it's like the, but, but we, I think, again, the good news is the stuff that gets shoved aside because people would talk about the stuff that divides us or whatever. And, you know, there was just a, a story uh, this past week of a solar company that invested in Alabama, in deep red Alabama. And the folks, and these are probably all, by the way, Trump supporters, mm -hmm. were like super happy to have this. They're getting jobs and, and, people are, and, and people with jobs are going to buy stuff. So the shop yeah. owners, right, the local mom yeah. and pops are happy too. Yeah, they're like, we heart solar now because they're, get, they're getting a massive factory with well-paying jobs and, and all of the ecosystem that goes along with it. And there's like this, you know, you know, you hear these laws of economics all the time, but here's a basic law of economics, which is like, if a factory comes to your town, there's a really good chance you're also going to get like a new retail store and better yeah. services and a better hospital and a better education system and all of that. The opposite is not true. Like if a Walmart comes to your town, nothing else is going to happen that, that's good or a dollar store or what have you. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because uh, I don't know if they still do it, but for a while when there would be um, like an assisted living community that would go up, yeah, a, a Walmart would open up like within walking distance. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's right. And so it's a th this is real economic development that's happening, and it well, is it, it makes sense, Scott. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. It makes total sense yeah. because we've seen what goes in in, in the reverse. What's that uh, movie? It was interesting because it was her, Frances McDormand, but she was with real people. Um, the name is escaping me right oh, now. Land. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Nomadland. Thank Ooh. you. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. no, 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 no what, right? You know, but yeah, no, no, that's what happens when you've only had one cup of coffee in the morning. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, no, Nomadland, it showed what happens when one factory shuts down. Oh, yeah. 
So the opposite, ergo, right, the opposite is certainly true when one factory opens up. I mean, if you can close down a community, you know, when people have to move and, you know, stores move out because there's nobody going to be there and, you know, people can't pay for the homes. The opposite is true. People can buy homes or rent apartments and homes. Yeah. And purchase them. That's exactly right. And and I think that, you know, we're at the beginning of all of this. You know, the, the quick fix is easy. And, and and this is, I guess maybe this is the way it's going. We're in such a culture where we used to have everything now, now, now. Like you can you can press a button and having have something shipped to your door the next day. You know, you can develop an app, a new app in a, in a couple of days if you have skilled programmers. You can't just add water and mix and get a manufacturing facility overnight. It takes a while to construct it, and then you got to train the workers, uh, and then it gets up and running. Uh, but it's 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 worth the wait because once you do, you have those middle class jobs, and you have all that other economic activity that we're talking about. And so we are starting to see it, but we're at the very beginning of this, and it is what the media doesn't like, which is this is a slow rolling process that happens over the over the series of months and years and even decades, like the Micron plan for semiconductor plants in upstate New York, where they're building four of them, uh, it's going to take them 20 years to fully bring all of that online. But once once all of that happens, it's going to dramatically reshape those communities that they're coming to uh, in upstate New York, who saw, as you know, a massive amount of deindustrialization. And so this is not a quote unquote. Sex- oh, yeah. Hello, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Yeah. Two of which I've lived in. Right. 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 Because right. this isn't happening overnight, right. but it is it is transformational. Yeah. It absolutely is. I wanted to ask you, because prospects for our economy looked grim, especially at the beginning of 2021, forecasters uh, pretty much across the board um, you expected elevated unemployment to linger, uh, output to remain low, well below uh, the trend. Um, these were very pessimistic, and I'm a pessimist, but these are very pessimistic forecasts. Do Does the manufacturing community listen to those? Or because now we've had, I think, three for three pessimistic forecasting <laughs> clusters be wrong, are yeah. they just going full steam ahead and not looking at that? Because the pessimism could slow down some of this uh, this building of factories and, you know, putting together some of these manufacturing plants that can revitalize communities. Yeah, of course. And sometimes plans get put on hold for a little bit because demand isn't quite what they thought or the market hadn't ramped up this way or other th- there might be other factors. Uh, but but generally speaking, uh, there's been a huge response. And, and the, the, the best evidence of that is that construction of new factories uh, for, for like the first two quarters uh, of, of the last year contributed more to our gross national product or gross domestic product, sorry, than at any other time in our nation's history uh, that, that we've recorded it. So we have never seen a factory boom like this that we've been able to record before. So that's that's the proof I have for you. I'm a pessimist, but that's pretty optimistic and positive. I can look at that optimistically. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. And check out their website during the break. There's so much interesting information on there. Great pieces written and testimony by Scott before Congress. AmericanManufacturing.org. Follow AAM at Keep It Made in USA on X Twitter. Scott, follow at Scott Paul AAM. Back after this. Speaking of Twitter, we're going to talk a little bit about that. 
We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall, and he is Scott Paul. He's president of the AAM, excuse me, the uh, Alliance for American Manufacturing. I want you to check out their website. I said it before. I'll say it again. Do it. Go to AmericanManufacturing.org and on Twitter, known as X. Follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM and follow AAM at Keep It Made in USA. Scott, thanks for holding. Welcome back. Speaking of Twitter, there's a thread on Twitter. We still all call it Twitter. I think most of us do, right? Unless you work there. (laughs) Or they probably call it Twitter, too, unless Musk is in the building, right? Um, But there is a thread on Twitter on what uh, Bidenomics is and how it's going uh, two years in. And this is from Heather Boucher. She's a member of the Council of Economic Advisors and Chief Economist for the President's Invest in America cabinet. So it's not like just some, you know, frat boy out there posting on Twitter. Um, And she, you know, she goes into it and she, she asks the question, what is Bidenomics? And and I think it's a good question because people see that headline and they need to know. And she talks about how when the president entered office after half a century of rising inequality and racial gaps, and that was between 79 and 2020, workers' productivity grew nearly 62%. But the average worker's pay and benefits only increased by 18 percent. And, I, you know, you don't have to be, uh, you know, go to Harvard and math to figure that out. That That's a problem. That's a huge, uh, you know, huge gap. Uh, the cost of climate change skyrocketed. Average number of inflation adjusted billion dollar disasters rose from less than five per year to 20 per year. And so when the president came into office, he was determined to address those challenges uh, to deliver growth and to do so with a great focus on equity. He did it by signing law, a historic uh, law, legislation into law, including the American Rescue Plan, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, the Chips and Science Act, and the Inflation Reduction Act. Before we go into, you know, some of those and how they play into uh, manufacturing, obviously some is common sense how they play into manufacturing. Um, But when, when, when when you look at the... When, when you, God, I totally just lost what I was going to say. I feel like, this is when I feel like a total boomer. <laughs> this is where people are going to go, well, she should be president. It's you know? a Friday, Leslie. Yeah. Yes, it is. I needed, I needed that second cup of coffee, I'll tell you. Um, when, when you look at the challenges that came, you know, before all of this legislation, yeah. what, how, how does manufacturing, how does this legislation change the overall picture of manufacturing? Yeah. How has it changed? When you look at the American Rescue Plan, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, uh, the CHIPS and Science Act, and the Inflation Reduction Act? Yeah, it's, it's a really great question. And, and you know, in addition to the, the data that you presented that, that Heather Boucher had put on. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. I remember that, that was my second question. Yeah. I'm going to ask my first before I forget. I okay. Because you had talked about racial inequality mm-hmm. and that gap closing. Yeah. She speaks about it on her, you know, uh, Twitter post about Bidenomics and what it is. How much does that matter in manufacturing? Yeah. Uh, Because just from where I sit, it looks like manufacturing becomes more and more diverse, not just year by year, but perhaps even month by month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Leslie, those are are great questions. And uh, first, with respect to the equity, with respect to the diversity, you know, and this is the thing that kind of aggravates me is that, you know, and, and part of this is is Trump's fault, I will say, is that people look at help for manufacturing or factories and, and they'll say, well, that's just helping out the, the old white dudes because that's all manufacturing is. Um, and, and it's easy to, to stereotype it. 
like that. And um, th there is no doubt that, you know, you know, white men in the industrial heartland suffered a, a lot. Uh, but, but it's also true that black men, other uh, demographic minorities suffered even more. And, and that's the un untold story about all of this, is that deindustrialization hit black communities first um, and then spread out. Um, and there were fewer options, Leslie, by the way, for black men. So it had, it had a much more profound impact. And because of the, that globalization, that deindustrialization, um, that contributed to uh, a, a loss of wages as well because the jobs that replaced manufacturing didn't pay as well. And, and so it, it, it really kind of set the table for a lot of economic insecurity, um, which is what Heather Boucher, I think, was kind of like laying the framework for what we're trying to get get out of. And just as it was kind of like the canary in the coal mine for a lot of the economic problems we've seen over the last couple of decades, um, in the same way, manufacturing can help to reverse a lot of that because the jobs are middle class um, and, and they do have uh, a larger, what you would call indirect effect in economics where they'll support more other jobs around the community. So the, the, the impact is greater. So all of those pieces of legislation that you mentioned, that public investment, because a lot of that's going to be invested in construction. Uh, you'll see construction jobs, a lot in manufacturing. You'll see the manufacturing jobs. And, and those are middle-class jobs. And, and most of them don't require a four-year college degree. So they're accessible to uh, a wider swath of Americans, including uh, you know, uh, black workers, Latino workers, and so it is true that the that the kind of the manufacturing workforce, the construction workforce, demographically will look younger, will look blacker and browner and more diverse, and even there'll be more women in it too. Um, and and so I think these are all important outcomes that we're seeing. And this is the other important thing too. And I I, th I think that you know Biden has done a good job with this. Is like resetting the table between corporate power and worker power because it had been so out of balance for so long and, and restoring kind of worker power to its rightful place so that you can bargain for better wages uh, and better health care and not fear necessarily of having your job shipped overseas has really made a difference too. So these are all things I'm very excited, I'm optimistic about, um, but it's also important that 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 those efforts not be the last word, uh, because it's just we're just getting at this problem now, um, and that also the Republicans don't try to roll all of this stuff back just because mm. of Biden's name on it. Yeah, we're already seeing IRS EPA rollbacks. So I've got yeah. to say the IRS rollbacks. You know, I'm not, I don't think anybody's a fan of giving the IRS more money. Um, you know, uh, but a lot of us haven't read the fine print on that, um, arguably, right? Um, so, you know, breaking down some of this legislation, looking at in investing in America, and you just talked about this, and, and I wanted to touch upon this. Um, these are this involves targeted investments in industries, critical manufacturing, for example, to our economic um, health and wealth, but also to our national security. You know, people forget that um, it, we have to meet emissions targets. We need global investment from the public and private sector. And we need it on an immense scale. And um, 
basically, you know, there's clean energy. The president's agenda makes investments on both the supply side, the demand side, across the innovation to commercialization pipeline. Um, but the whole thing with investing in America seems to design, it, it's designed to private investment working within the private sector, but as a partner, not a rival. Is that a game changer in manufacturing? And 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 how so? And what have we seen just with that alone? Um, you know, s- since the passage of this, uh, yeah, it is totally a game changer. And I'll, I'll just explain why. And I can use like two different kind of like types of businesses. And I talked about this before. If you want to develop an app, you have an idea for an app. You just need to find a couple of like you know uh, coders and designers who can come from anywhere by the way, and you kind of hire them to a quick contract and you can get it up and running in a couple of days and so you're monetizing it, right? And if you have a good idea, it might take off. Um, manufacturing, it's not that easy. If, if you wanna make something, you need to find a physical facility, that costs money. You need to put machinery in it, that costs money. You need skilled workers who are local, that takes money as well. You need to find suppliers. That takes time. You need to find your market. And so all of this, what I'm trying to say is the cost of capital is much higher for things like manufacturing. Now, the long-term return is awesome. It's great. And it has all these other societal benefits as well, like reducing carbon emissions or in, you know, bettering our infrastructure or lowering our energy costs eventually. So, so all of that, is awesome, but it just takes a little time. It takes a little signal. And, and that's what the public investment does. That's what the investment in the semiconductors does, because it, it, believe me, it's not cheap to scale up a semiconductor factory in the United States. Same with like building wind turbines or electric vehicles. All of this takes a lot of resources. And so that public investment is leveraging all of the, this private sector stuff. It's been extraordinary. And the return is going to be five, six, seven X of what was invented, what was invested in the long run, which is an awesome return. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the polls. We touched upon those. We'll talk about those uh, as well. Um, But I also want to, um, you know, talk about uh, a little bit more about inequality, that middle class and uh, the legislation that is really changing things with regard to manufacturing. Back with Scott, back with you right after this. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He is Scott Paul. Scott is president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Check out the AAM's website, AmericanManufacturing.org. On Twitter, follow them at Keep It Made in USA and follow Scott at Scott Paul um, AAM. A uh, lot to cover because I've been, you know, just so many things I want to talk about uh, with you here. Um, and before we get into the polling, which we touched upon, uh, just just wanted to talk about a couple of other things because you you mentioned something I, I thought was really uh, uh, really important a couple of things um, you had talked about you know the middle class kind of being left behind a lot of times um, you know or being hurt the most uh, with regard specifically to manufacturing and factories close um, but Bidenomics uh, seems to not only empower workers. And, you know, the corporations that, you know, hire the workers, right, Uh, but educates them, right? Because there's been rising inequality, we just spoke about, you know, in the program for decades, um, and they invested from the the middle out and and the bottom up. 
Um, and so what they do is they have bonus tax credits for paying workers, uh, prevailing wages, and using registered apprenticeships. You touched upon um, this briefly, but that helps you know, uh, people across uh, you know, the spectrum, across our rainbow here uh, in our nation uh, with regard to de- demographics. And, and, and that is key as well, right? I mean, because you know, just providing the opportunity to people that otherwise may not have had an opportunity in the past. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. And so uh, there's a couple of things to unpack, Leslie, from, from what you said. First is to understand that for decades, workers in, uh, in fields like manufacturing have had downward pressure on wages for three reasons. One is that you have seen more corporate power compared to union power. There's, you know, union, uh, union density in manufacturing declined. Uh, so, so there was that. Number two uh, was globalization and the fact that a company could say, well, you know, if you don't want to, you know, take this pay cut or not get this pay raise, we will simply move the production to Mexico or to China um, or somewhere like that. And number three was this idea that we had as a country, which is, you know, look, part of this is right, is that, you know, we want everybody to achieve the American dream. Um, the, 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 while four-year college degrees are an excellent pathway to achieving the American dream, they're not a pathway for everybody. And there should be other pathways to achieving the American dream. And we let things like apprenticeships and community college and technical training programs just go. We just let them go. And so I think that now we've seen a rethinking all of this. We've certainly seen a rethinking of globalization. There's kind of more tariffs. There's a more balanced approach now uh, that we're taking to this. We're investing more in our own economy to try to build it up. You see this kind of race to the top with uh, apprenticeships and others so that you can attract good talent and you can invest in them. Uh, and it doesn't mean they're necessarily going to a four-year college uh, at all. And you're also seeing incentives built in to these resources that are provided to companies for them to provide things like a childcare plan or uh, to pay prevailing wages on construction sites so that you're getting that skilled labor. And all of that, I guess this is the thing, is that if you put wages, more wages in workers' pockets, they're going to be able to buy a better house or buy an appliance or buy a better car or uh, get more things at the grocery store. And all of that is going to have a societal benefit. All of that is. You know, if you give... And it's going to have a, a company benefit because you have a happier worker. Yes. Less turnover. You know, higher skilled workers, less turnover. That is absolutely... Because they feel appreciated and valued. Yeah, that, that's right. Whereas if you give... What a novel concept, huh? <laughs> yeah, a novel concept. And, and if you give that instead to like, well, let's cut tax breaks for the wealthy, it's like, how many yachts are you going to buy, really, right? I mean, you know, one is the answer, but after that, you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to, and not that that's a, a big job creator, I would just say, but but there's not going to be that return to the economy. You know? It's all it's going to be all about me, 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 me. And so this is a... This is very much, uh, you know, an us kind of like economic policy is that we can, all of us can do better, must do better. And, um, and so it is a, and again, this, this data that we talked about before, 
is encouraging. We're at the very beginning of this, but we're seeing this turnaround um, that I think is defying a lot of odds and expectations. And I will just add this. We're doing so much better relative to almost anywhere else on the planet that it isn't even a contest. It's like us and then it's like everybody else. And so I, I don't think that people, most people don't have a kind of that global outlook and take a step back and look at it that way. But we're doing really damn well here, even if it doesn't necessarily feel like that every day. And more, way more people would want the American experience than to see what's happening in some places in Europe or South America or Asia. Our, our economy has proved to be much more resilient uh, oh yeah, our po- our poverty our poverty stricken populations. I, I I don't want to be mean, but if you have traveled or lived abroad as I have, I mean they're doing better than some middle class, you know, yeah. especially in third third world countries. Yeah, and, and I certainly don't want to minimize the fact that there are, there are still profound economic challenges that we absolutely see in agree. But we're making progress on them instead of right. them getting worse, and and, and that. Um, you, you know, that has me, uh, you know, optimistic about what, you know, what the possibilities are as we look ahead. Well, that fed right into my next uh, topic and question uh, in this hour, uh, ending out the hour here. Um, and we touched upon it, that Bidenomics, the Biden economy is great everywhere except in the polls, right? Um, the, con- the economy continues to improve. And the president continues not to get credit for it, right? 35% of voters in seven swing states trust him on the economy. That's according to a Bloomberg Morning Consult poll. 51% said it was better under Donald Trump, and it wasn't just numerically. Nothing to do with Democrat or Republican, nothing to do with liberal conservative ideology. Uh, We're doing better now than we were then. Um, It's frustrating for the president. It's frustrating for Democrats, certainly for his campaign. and the president's also doing better than most of his peers uh, around the world. Being in the manufacturing world, Scott, you know, and you being in touch mm-hmm. with so many of those workers in the manufacturing uh, world, um, do, 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 is this a trend where the economy improves and the people take a while to catch up and feel what is a fact? Yeah, it's really, I mean, someday economic historians will look back and and, and they'll have the, the answer. <laughs> about why people, why people feel like this, really. Um, but, but to me, it's much more about, you know, the way things used to be means it was before the pandemic, right? Before we had to worry about that, which is not, I, obviously, Biden wasn't responsible for that in any way. Or, but, you know, where there, was, there were problems getting certain things because of the, the supply chains or the pandemic. Um, and, and for a while, and this is the thing that drives me crazy, you've probably seen this too, it's like Trump supporters will post pictures of gas prices, uh, you know, at the end of his presidency in the middle of a pandemic when no one was going anywhere buying gas. And, right. so, you know, the, the laws of economics is that if that happens, the cost mm-hmm. comes down. People are driving again. So, you know, there's more demand. Stay home. Stop driving if you want the price. <laughs> but what they don't realize, and, and I guess this, this runs counter to some of the climate goals, I'll acknowledge this, but the we're producing more fuel domestically now than we ever have at, at any time. In fact, we're the world's leaders <laughs> now. And so it's like, come on, the, the guy can't catch a break at all. And, and so I think there's this residual effect. And, 
you know, people eventually will, will kind of, the fog will lift off their eyes, but, but, you know, hopefully their experience is that their kids are having an easier time getting jobs, that they're getting better jobs, uh, you know, and it is true that things like housing is a little bit more expensive or interest rates, and that's the Federal Reserve, that's not Joe Biden. But, um, but, but I, I do think that it's a, yeah, it's one of those bummer things because he's done, you, you know, the, 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 the progress that we've made, uh, all that we've talked about is, is actually transformational. And, and I don't know that you can go back to another point, point in American history, maybe the recovery from the Great Depression where we've seen that happen before. And so it's a, um, you, you know, my hope is that people understand that, uh, but it's going to take uh, it's going to take a lot more digging into it, I think, for some of them to get there. Yeah. And the president's approval rating only 40 percent. But by the way, except for Italy, he actually tops every incumbent <laughs> leader throughout the world. Uh, Scott, thank you for joining us. Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. On Twitter, known as X, follow Scott at ScottPaulAAM. And on Twitter, known as X, follow the AAM at KeepItMade in USA. And we're going to be able to do that, Keep It Made in the USA, a lot more with the boom in manufacturing that we're seeing and that hopefully will continue. Scott, thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. A shout out to Marky Mark, our great producer who you don't see. Sometimes you hear, sometimes you see. <laughs> but we're all on in different rooms <laughs> in different parts of the country. So we can't, you know, photobomb each other or video bomb each other. I'm Leslie Marshall. Have a great week.